Welcome to Dig Deeper with Denny and Jade. Today's guest is Michael Karianis, sports journalist, radio host, and TV panel member. Today he's going to share his story about the rough and tumble world that is sports journalism and what it takes to break through. Michael Karianis, hello and thank you. Hey, Danny. How are you, mate? Outstanding. How's life? Yeah, good. Different, different, but like everyone, um, it's a different world at the moment. But yeah, life's good. And what's life like as a sports journalist right now when there's no sport to cover? Uh, very, very different. But I've been fortunate that um, my work hasn't really been impacted too much. It's obviously a different type of journalism, journalism we're doing at the moment. There's no footy on, so uh, mm-hmm. which is what what I cover generally. So, uh, but there's still plenty of news. So um, you're focusing on you know how the game's going to look when it comes back, if it will come back, how it will come back, and all the ramifications to, to get the game back. So it's been very, very busy, just a different type of busy. So how will the game look? As a as someone who's obviously very interested in sports myself, particularly rugby league, what is the game going to look like if it does come back or when it does come back? I, I don't think we're going to see too much change um, in, in the short term and definitely not on the field. They might tinker with a few little things in the initial few weeks. They're talking about lifting interchanges, um, potentially longer half-time breaks, but that's only going to be a, a short-term thing. I think that's going to have long-term ramifications. But the product off the field is going to change significantly. I think we'll see a, a massive downturn in, in football staff, both at head office and in club land. That's going to change. Um, the amount potentially the players earn, the, the, you know, the salary cap could be affected. Um, so there's going to be lots of change away from the field. But on the field, I, I don't think you know the, the average fan won't notice any difference uh, on the on-field product. Do you think, like, just as, as you're talking about the change in the game and, and what's happened, the players' impact, uh, sorry, players' income being impacted now, which is the first time for the NRL, they've seen, like, consistent linear growth for such a long period of time in terms of salary cap. And so they're coming to this new era now where there's probably going to be a reduced salary cap, not just this year but also next year. Do you think it's also an opportunity maybe for the players to actually step up their game and actually be more media-friendly moving forward? Uh, look, I think um, the whole game is going to undergo a reboot off the field. That's that's going to look at you know broadcast deals, uh, player salaries, uh, relationships with broadcast partners and, and media um, and, and all the like. So I think um, – and everyone needs to buy into it, right? It's not just – this is not just on the players. This is on the officials. This is on us as, as media – uh, people and, and broadcasters, and this is as, as fans as well, to buy in and, and really get behind what the rugby league, the new rugby league, is going to look like. Because if we are, if we all don't buy in, and that's a collective, all of us, uh, you know, the game's in a world of hurt. Baby, did you just did you just hear what he said, JD? You know, yeah. you know what you just heard there. That's the next NRL CEO, I reckon. <laughs> Nah. That was very good. Nah. I think you could bring a few people together with that speech, 100%. That was, ex- that was ex- outstanding. <laughs> well, look, man, that is super interesting, and I do want to get more into that. Um, but I want to learn more about you, Mick. Like, obviously, you and I were, were, were friends as, as teenagers, and we kind of went separate ways for, like, almost the last 15 years now, probably a bit more than that, really. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, I remember when you told me you're, you're going to be a sports journalist, yeah. and yeah. I can't remember my exact thought. Like, obviously, I was like, oh, that's cool. But I actually didn't think it would happen yeah. if, if I reflect, you know, on myself at that time. Um, I remember you doing, it like, the online post for the St. George website at the time and all that kind of stuff. 
So what's what was the path like for you to get to where you are now, which is like, I think the last time I know, you're writing for The Telegraph currently, isn't I that correct? I am for The Telegraph now, yeah. 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 So what's that path like going from a kid who enjoys sports to then, like, what got you to want to do journalism? Well, it was always, I think, oh, you know, when you're a young kid, you always want to, like, not everyone, but, you know, you wanted to be a footy player, right? Once And then... Once you realize, I realized at a pretty young age <laughs> yeah. that that wasn't going to be for me, right? Like I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to crack it as an NRL player. You played with me, you know why? So, um, and then um, I, I, I disagree. <laughs> You're very good, but anyway, that's a bit harsh on yourself. <laughs> I always had a, a desire to do something involved in rugby league, and I always, I don't know why, I always wanted to be a sports journalist, but I wanted to be one from when I was young. As, as soon as I can remember, my first job. That I wanted, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mine was always to be a rugby league yeah. journalist. How and why I came wow. to that conclusion, I, I don't know. But um, I'm very lucky and, and fortunate that I had a goal at a, at a very young age and I worked towards that goal. You know, at 14, 15, um, I started writing my first stories. They were, they were pretty average, but it was just that it set me on the path to, to where I am. They were. <laughs> what did you write about? Rugby league. Rugby. I used to go. I used to go. To, okay. Used to yeah. Go to, just good. like in your local community. Right. Or? Yeah. Oh, there was a website. Was with website. It was probably when the web started kicking off as well in terms of you know blogs and all, all that sort of stuff. Where it was giving everyone uh, an, an outlet to to do what they wanted to do. And I'd go as a you know in my school holidays. I'd go to the Dragons training sessions and interview blokes after training. I'd be a 15, 16 year old kid. I needed my dad to drop me off or whatever. Someone to give me a ride and. <laughs> I just sit down. I'd wait for him, and, and you know, no one says no to a fifteen-year-old kid, right? Like I get brushed more now as a journalist than I did as a, yeah. as a kid. Um, so mm. it was just building up the confidence and going up to players and saying, "Oh, do you mind if you have a quick chat?" And things were different back then as well. There wasn't the barriers that are up now for, for mm. people. It was so easy to get access to the players, and um, that's how for that's how it started for me. Just writing on on a website at, uh, in my teens. What I find interesting about your story, you said you were lucky, but I, I, I remember like we were 13, 14, and I think luck definitely plays a part because you've got to meet the right people. But one thing that you always were, uh, Mick, was disciplined. Mm. Yeah. Like it takes discipline during your school holidays to sit down and write and read and write articles and, and you used to send them to, to your friends and be like, hey, man, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and we used to, yeah. And, I'm not sure if anyone else did, but I used to critique some of it. <laughs> the language and stuff. Like I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's that's how you that's how that's how you build um that's how you build rapport and understanding. And um, I, I was I was lucky. Like so, I would send my stories to uh, you know I used to write for the St George Leagues Club Journal, right? Which was one of my first paid yeah. my first paid job was writing stuff on on the it was a membership magazine it was pretty boring but at the time I was super excited and that allowed me to forge a relationship with, with a guy called Ben Johnson who was working at the Telegraph he was the editor of the magazine and he was the first one to really critique my stories um, and and really oh, wow. cut it really cut them into shape um, and and really so what did that what did that feel like for you having someone to actually um, mentally a little bit. What was that like at that time? How how old were you when you first got that mental oh, from that stage? Seventeen, I'd say. Um, well, oh wow! Okay. Last year of, of high school before uni. Um, so it, oh, it was great. Yeah, it was great. Like regardless of of the money, like it was worth much more than you know a couple of hundred dollars here or there. It was just invaluable experience to get a proper journalist to really look at my work. And I found that time 
uh, working one-on-one with, with Ben much more beneficial than my whole uni degree because uni, wow. they, you tend to, they tend to make you write a little bit like school where you overwrite a lot. At, at school, you know, you're writing 1,000-word mm-hmm. essays, 1,500-word essays, 2,000-word essays, and that's how uni was a little bit. Most of my stories are between four to 600 words. So what's the point of writing 1,500 words at uni? I'll never understand because I've probably done, I've been full-time journalist now for 10 years. I've probably done two stories that are 2,000 words. You know, they're very rare. They're very, very, unless you're a feature writer, they're very, very rare. And it must actually be like they're teaching you how to write 1,500 and 2,000-word essays and stuff, but once you only have an opportunity to write four or 500 words, if you, if you haven't practiced how to write a shorter story, it must be very hard to ensure that your stories have the detail and information they, they require in a short space. So, like, mm. that's, a, that's a huge challenge, man. How do, you, how do you get all that information into, that, um, into those limited word capacities? It's a discipline, right? Because if, if the editor, you know, in a newspaper, you only have so many words, right? You, they, they set a space for you to write and you have to write 600 words or 500 words or 450 words, right? And you can't be much over or below that because that's the space in the paper. They can't have blank spaces in the paper or they have to chop out 500 words and they don't have time for that. And um, we speak about luck and and sliding doors moments as well. When I was at uni, I applied for a job at my local paper, your local paper, the St. George Sutherland Shire Leader, and I missed it. I missed out on a job there. So I was still at uni and I missed out on a job there, but they gave me work experience out of that. And eventually... By the time my uni degree ended, I got a job there um, the same month as the, my last my last class of, of uni, and that really taught me how to write, how to chase news, and how to be disciplined in my writing because you can't, you know, at a local paper, everyone's so time poor. It's a, it's a great way to start, but when they tell you, you know, this is five hundred words, well, guess what? It's either four ninety or five ten. That's 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 the leeway you've got, and you can't. It's non-negotiable because it needs to fit on the page. That's what people don't realize. It needs to fit on a page. So um, deadlines and word limits aren't negotiable. And what about like, I mean, nowadays we have, you know, our devices are getting smaller. I mean, it's actually rare that you see people reading physical, you know, old-fashioned newspapers. So has that, has have those constraints um, made it even harder to, for example, you know, like electronic media and, and having to write stories, for example, that fit onto, you know, yeah, it's, a one-screen device like tablets, iPhones, yeah, well, Twitter stories, Instagram. How does that work? It's different. It is it is different. You write for a, a different audience online and you try and, uh, like, the, the best stories now have an element where, all right, they, they work for the paper but they transcend online. So what that means is the package for online will include you know, a video and some audio, right. um, all, all this sort of stuff that it adds to your story. Uh, whereas, you know, when I first started journalism, you weren't thinking like that. You were just thinking words. Now mm. now it's all encompassing <laughs> where you've got to think video, you need to think audio, uh, you need to think images. Images have always played a big part in journalism, so that's not a that's not a massive change on, on what we had to do before. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the package now online and it's all about the cell, you know, about the headline, the first two so, parts. So, Mick, what? What's it feel to be like a, a sex symbol now in the sports journalism industry? <laughs> what? Now that you're the eye, you're the eye candy now. You know you got you got you got to sell you got to sell yourself as well now. So, how did the progression from like 
like what's because the industry has changed so much yeah, yeah yeah so like as you said you, you start off as a writer yeah but now you've got to be a personality right yeah 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 and and thankfully you've always had a personality yeah. but i think that's where uh, when, when the the benefit of twitter really helps with that i think i think um it opens up you to be yourself a little bit like you know we get i get trolled all the time but i usually give it back within, <laughs> within, within reason you know you, you can develop a sense of you'd be so used to that yeah that's right right there's not there's no one super offensive but i i just sort of laugh at it you know um so it's <laughs> not yeah so that that changes the the landscape a little bit i do radio with abc and that really lets you um develop your personality to an audience because at the end of the day when you're writing it's just words on paper and unless you're a a columnist like I don't really do columns so that's not really you know I'm not like the Paul Ken or, or the Buzz Rothfield or those sort of guys who express their opinions in the newspaper mine yeah, more right. straight up and down news stories like what's happening in, in events so my personality traits don't really come across in words but it's things like this it's Twitter it's when I do radio that you can really um, develop your personality more and more now, like with the media changing so much, particularly from a news point of view, and how the the media and journalism in particular seems to become much more opinionated. So, from my point of view, when I do read articles like yours, where it, it is just factual, there's no like, um, there's no side, there's no bias to it. You're not pushing an agenda. I actually find it very um, refreshing. Yeah, it's super refreshing, man. So, I think the way that you you do right, I feel like we'll come back a bit more into vogue. Like, obviously, Paul Kent and, and Buzz Rothfield. Have huge personalities, so that's that's them. They're at yeah, the top. Yeah, you know, right. it takes time to get to that level. Yeah. But in terms of what you're doing, I think it's it's so super important, man. Like, yeah, I think I don't know, like how how much. Yeah, you need a balance of it as well. I think you need you need those guys that are you know in, in rugby league speak. You need those guys that are going to take you know twenty hit ups and make thirty tackles a game, right? Then you also need the guys that are going to be you know have that flashy play, and and that's the balance we have at work at the moment where we've got. You know, the, the big dogs, the Buzz and the, and, and the Kenties who are at the top of the game, right? So they, they have developed the right to have an opinion and I don't agree with everything they write and that's the beauty of it, right? But but you also need those guys that are going to be straight up and down and, and tell fans what they don't know um, by playing a, a straight bat as, as it may. So I think that you need that, that balance like any team. So I always see sports journalism and I guess any type of journalism, but particularly sports journalism, like I want you to know something. I'm actually very proud of you. Yeah. You followed a dream. You were disciplined. And you've gotten to a place where if you had told, you know, Michael at 16, you'd probably be super happy with where you're at right now, right? Like probably you probably feel like you may be overachieved if you if you told this to a 16-year-old. Yeah. Um, but what's it like? Because, you know, like journalists can be a bit, you know, prickly at times. So when you're coming through as a younger man, it's probably a little bit easier. But now that you're starting to sort of come after their footsteps, what's it like being in that environment? Are they, are they still supportive of you? Do they give you any bones or they just it's fend for yourself and move on? No, I think it's um, it, it's all about relationships, right? So if you're uh, respectful and understand where people are coming from, I think it's not as... Um, scary as it may be. Like I grew up reading uh, Dean Ritchie's stories, Buzz's stories, right? These guys have been doing, they've been working full-time at the Telegraph longer than I've been alive, longer than we've been alive, literally. Right? Yeah. So you need to yeah. respect that. And there, there comes a level of seniority and as long as you understand where you're placed, um, I think that that's fine. But it, it is it is cutthroat. It's a very individual um Work, work. It's a very individual job. You're part of a team, but you're a highly individual member of it. But I think as long as 
you're respectful and understand um, those that, that have come before you, I think it's it's okay. So, Mick, what are the steps that you had to get get through to get to the Telegraph? Like you at the Herald previously, obviously, then prior to that, you're doing the, the working for the local paper. Like, how does these things happen, man? Because, you know, honestly, I think it's amazing that, that you've worked your way through those levels. But yeah. how does it happen, man? It's like, uh, in, in footy speak, it's like playing Harold Matz and going through the grades, really. Um, right. So that's I started at, say, club footy, right? We're writing for a website for free. Uh, doing as much as I could for. So just pause there for a second, just in case someone doesn't know rugby league. So what it, what Michael is saying is that there's tiers of rugby league. So as a junior, there's representative levels, and you progress to those representative levels until you get to first grade. Exactly, exactly. So you started, you know, under 16s, Harold Matthews, and that was probably me. Below that, you play club footy, right? You play for the local club, Kingsbury yeah. Colts, and that was me writing for mm-hmm. free for a, a website and doing every. I did so much stuff for free um, while I was at. I did courses. One, one of my my careers advisor at school was outstanding as well. He, he enrolled me in a TAFE course during my year eleven school holidays, a media course which I did, and then he enrolled me in a day long course at the Daily Telegraph when I was in year twelve, maybe year eleven or year twelve. He he, he got me a place. There was only twenty people that got a place there, and and I, I was one of them. So I was very lucky to do that. So I've had a lot of help uh, along the way, and then so when I didn't get the job at the Leader. I still badgered them with sending stories. Um, every now and then they'd run them. Um, and eventually the job that I went for was a, a news junior sport and business cadetship. So um, the, uh, so that was my first job was doing junior sport and business at the leader. Um, so eventually you're, you're there. I was there for five and a bit years. And luckily they're owned by, uh, they were owned by Fairfax then, which was the, the Sydney Morning Herald. And probably the last, 18 months of my time at the leader, I started doing the same thing. I started sending my stories to the Herald like I did at the leader at uni um, and then trying to um, break down that barrier between the local paper and, and them. And so they started running some of my stories in the Herald and occasionally on the weekends I'd work Saturdays at the Sun Herald um, to just cover games. So, that you know, there's lots of games on in Sydney. If there was an extra game on, well, then I'd get a casual shift to, to start a game. I also did an overnight shift at the Sun Herald, which was – I think it was um, 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. We did a few of them. Then. Why do you have to be there overnight? You'd be there overnight and then we'd go coach why? the next day. But oh, why do you have to be there overnight? Just It was in the emergency shift, right? So if there was a, oh, okay. like a police, it, it was essentially you just used to sit there and if there was an emergency, you'd get yeah. caught out for something. Um, generally, you know, a car accident or something like that. more of the morbid stuff, right? So I did a few of them. Um, <laughs> and so you got to write a story on it? Yeah. Or you do a video on yeah, it. Yeah, you do a yeah. story. You do a story, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... So when you were doing that stuff, did you ever think to sort of go back into doing different types of journalism? No, I always wanted to do rugby league. I always wanted to do rugby league. It was very important that um, your first job, you can't you can't say I'm going to be a sports journalist, right? Because think of how many sports journalists there are in, in New South Wales. It's very, it's very small. So if you go to a sport, I, I say this to anyone that wants to be a journalist, if you want to be a sports journalist, never go do a sports journalism degree because straight away you cut your employment chances by <laughs> yeah, 95%, right? right? So mm. what's, it's just madness. The sports media degree is just one of the it'll – be, it'll be more fun than a normal media degree, but you come out of it and you can only be employed by 5% of the sector. What's the? It just doesn't make sense to me. So you need to keep your options open and take any job that you can as your first job. So, Michael, it sounds like 
obviously you've been quite successful and you've almost established a bit of a blueprint for yourself. You know, you've, you've done the same thing just at different levels and that seems to have brought you to where you always wanted to be. So if, if there was a young, you know, boy or, or girl that wanted to be a sports journalist in particular, but maybe just in general, a journalist, what are sort of three key things that you would, you know, give, give to them as advice, Yeah, especially now that um, the environment is changing and, and media is a lot more online these days? Yeah, a few people have um, a few young, like like I've I've spoken to a few young people about what it, like how to what what's the best path to to get there. It's um, do a lot of stuff for free, right? You just need to get yeah. up and 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 do it. You know, it's gonna it you know it's not gonna be ideal in the short term. But while you're young and you don't have responsibilities and and you can do it, well, it's that's the time to do it um, because. Think of how many a communications degree at uni. There'd be thousands and thousands of people that um, graduate each year. But I'm I'm tipping if you went to Seek or whatever, and, and you look at media jobs, there wouldn't be a. There's not enough jobs per people coming out of uni. So everyone gets a piece of paper, and that piece of paper is pretty easy to get, right? But once your first your first interview, they'll be show me your portfolio. That's number one. You need runs on the board. Doesn't matter if it's for a website. Right. Matter if it's for your local paper. It really doesn't matter. You need your name published to show that you've gone above and beyond your uni degree because our uni degree is super easy because it's not a pass. Wow. It's not a pass and fail. So, like, it's not. There's no wrong answer unless you're illiterate. You you won't fail. <laughs> it's really so basically for me. Wrong. So if I want to become a journalist now, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. It's going to take to him about fifty years of age, I guess, well, before I get to your level. Is that right? If you can construct a and you're all right. Like that's that's like, <laughs> that's to pass uni, right? Not to get your job. The job yeah. harder, but to pass uni, it's it, it was a. I found it a breeze. Yeah. Yeah. Now, something that's obviously very close to our hearts as well, and Jade knows this about me as well, is that we enjoy fantasy NFL. Mm. Oh no! What did you make of the most recent <laughs> NFL draft? Just this is for, for me, by the way. So <laughs> it's our podcast. I can talk about what we want. <laughs> I really, and I'm a newcomer to the NFL. I really, really enjoy it. And I was sitting there. I go. You showed last year as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 You're pretty rough. I so I don't actually. So I'll sit there and I'll like I follow the Miami Dolphins, right? And I'll sit there and watch the draft, and I would not know if they've picked anyone that's good. I've got no clue because I don't sit there and watch college. I don't immerse myself in all things NFL, but I just love the spectacle of it and I'm trying I'm developing a better understanding of it. But if you told me um X players better than Y, I'd agree because I just I don't I don't have an opinion. So I'm pretty ill informed when yeah. it comes to all things <laughs> NFL. But it's enjoyable to watch something as a fan which I've lost a little bit by becoming a journalist. Yeah. So why do you think you've lost it as a fan by becoming a journalist? Is it because you just analyze too much or are you thinking about what you want to write about? Like what's what's caused that for you to, well, you just, to lose a bit of it? I, I just don't think you have an opportunity to sit there and follow your team as closely. Now, instead of, you know, tunnel vision on, on one side, you're looking at 16 sides. Um, and, you know, while your team that you support and anyone, I, I, I don't like when people say they don't have a team. Everyone's got a team, right? You start, you don't become a rugby <laughs> journalist unless you had a passion for the game. Why else would you do it? So. I think that's a, a, a strange thing that, that people go on with. But, um, you know, I was a Dragons fan as a kid, but the amount of times I'm working when Dragons are playing, like I might be at another game. So you just don't, ha- you just don't have that 
attachment that you once did? Well, look, I try and watch the St. George games and you're probably doing yourself a favour <laughs> by not watching them over yeah, the last three years. So you're not missing oh, no. out. Don't worry about that, man. It's okay. It's, it's honestly much more fun to watch other teams. I can't watch them. Like Jade actually watches the games. Yeah. I get to about 15 minutes in and I know what's going to happen. I'm like, it's done. Yeah. I'm, I'm walking away now. I'm you, you can watch it or you can change it. I don't care. you got the same temper as you've always had. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like not much has changed, uh, Denny. I think a lot's changed, but yeah. <laughs> Maybe not the t- Look, I don't scream. I just walk away now. Yeah. I don't break any games. Yeah. I don't break any consoles. No. I just get up and I leave the room. Um, I think one thing I, I want to ask you about, just because, yes, I wanted, I wanted to hear your talks, your, sorry, your, your journey about uh, through journalism, but I also want to hear your thoughts on sport, man. So the the big thing that's been in the media, particularly the US media, over the last two weeks was the Net, Net, Netflix series on Michael Jordan. Have you had the chance to watch any of that? I haven't yet because I want to watch it all at once. So I'm holding, yeah. I'm holding off so I can binge watch it. That's- it's It's been really interesting, right? Like <clears throat> for myself prior to watching that, I, I really enjoy LeBron James. Like I, I, wherever LeBron goes, I'll follow his team basically. Yeah. Um, but... But watching the first two episodes, I haven't seen three and four yet, but watching the first two episodes, you kind of understand why Michael Jordan was different. Yeah. Um, and, and the sense that you get from that series is that he just had this different fire, man, that none of these players can ever meet, plus the same impact that he had on that game, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what all makes the guys so special, right? Those, those guys that are a bit different who have that competitive drive and that, that win-at-all-cost mentality is what separates them from from, you know, the rest of them. Is there anyone like that in the NRL anymore? Like, is there, do you, is there someone that you've had an interview with or a chat with you like, oh, man, that, that guy is just special? Is there someone coming through that you've seen that in? I think, you know, obviously Andrew Johns but had, had that. But in, in current players, I think Cameron Smith probably has that aura where mm. just um, different um, in, in a sense where, he just he he he's the guy that I, I could listen to him speak for hours. Right when I've interviewed him, I'm just like, oh, can we just keep this going? Because he's just um, he just has a, a different take on the game, and I think um, he's he's the one that when he walks into a room, you know he's there. And I think that's that's just the the, wow. the 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 nature of him. You look at him if you walk past him in the street, you'd be like, oh, he doesn't look different from anyone else, right? But he's just has that drive and determination unlike anyone that we've seen in the past couple of years. Well, what we might need to do is actually catch up again and, and once you've watched all the episodes, you sit down and we can break them down because I found it super interesting and I'm sure you will as well. Um, but I want to I talk to you about LeBron and I want to talk to you about Jordan and I want us to just share our thoughts on that if that's cool. Yeah, no, I'm not big on the American sports so I might struggle with... Um, Neither am I, but like... But- uh, I want to talk about the, the characters and, and the personality and, yeah. and I guess that that will to win more so as opposed to who's better. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Uh, JD, got anything else for, for Mr. Karianis? No. Well, maybe next time, Mick, we can share some more personal stories <laughs> as well, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All righty? Yeah, sweet. Um, th- thank you so much for actually doing this today. And is there anything else that you want to share before you go? No, I'm good, no. All good here. Uh, everyone keep safe and keep well. Yeah, you too, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, mate.